we've been talking about following the advice of God. And we've been studying what it means to listen to God and find His will, His advice, His guidance in life's everyday normal type of decisions. And and again, and I said this last week, I know that it's intensely personal to people within our congregation because uh, just during this study and maybe a couple of weeks before we started, uh, I've seen and talked to people that are making decisions about jobs, about houses, about romantic relationships, about family dynamics, and, and about conflict resolution. And so at least those things are taking place in in your life and you are working through what God would have you do in those things, what He would offer you as advice. And so far we've seen three things and I just want to get everybody up to speed because uh, it will help us moving forward today. First of all, we saw that God wants to give us advice for normal decisions. We saw that through some examples in the Bible. We saw that through the words of Jesus where he says, I am the good shepherd and my sheep follow me. And, and we saw that through through the, the overabundant amount of verses that say God will give you whatever you ask for as long as it is within his will. And, and, and so we saw pretty clearly that God doesn't just say, here's the rules. Now go ahead and, and try to live the best you can. But, but God quite literally wants to give us advice so that we can do the things that, that are best in our lives. The second thing that we saw is that while God wants to give us advice, He doesn't give advice to us if we are people who are living disobediently or who have disobedient hearts. God wants to know that we are going to do what He has asked us to do if He is going to give us advice. And so, so if we are living disobediently and not following the things that He has asked us to do, or... If he knows that we're not going to say yes to whatever he asks us to do about whatever we need to know what he wants us to do about, then he is going to say, I'm sorry, but you're not following my advice anyway. And the third thing we saw, and this was last week, was that God speaks through the Holy Spirit. God wants to talk to you and and oftentimes He does that through the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit who we believe is one part of the Trinity, the triune God that we serve. And and so we saw the Holy Spirit speak to us and last week I made a charge to you and and hopefully you came through this week to listen. Colossians 1.9 summarizes what we saw last week. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And so we see that the Holy Spirit, He does a lot of things, but one of the things that He does is He provides wisdom for our lives so that we can make the decision that God wants us to make in every decision that we make. And so hopefully this week, you went home, You thought about the decision that you wrote on the piece of paper last week and you just spent some time saying, Holy Spirit, God, I just need to know what you want me to do. And so here I am, I'm listening, the TV is off, I'm tuned in to you and and I'm trying to hear what you have to say. Now that's great and and I hope you did that, but that leaves the question that, that I kind of hung out there for us last week and we didn't get to, how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? I mean, we can listen all day, but if we don't know the way in which the Holy Spirit is going to talk to us, and therefore the way in which we should be listening, then then it's going to be a, a losing effort a lot of times. And so today, our goal is this, 
to figure out through the Bible how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. I've decided, hopefully through the Holy Spirit and the advice of God, that that this series is going to be extended another week. And next week we'll answer the question, how can I be sure that it is the Holy Spirit talking to me? A question that I've received as a pastor and a question that I think every pastor receives at some point. How can I be sure that it's the Holy Spirit? But today... I want to lock in on some things and some ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us so that we can better listen. Now last week I had a list of ways that God speaks through the the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I want to be clear as I go into this list that this is not an exhaustive list of how the Holy Spirit speaks. Right? I said last week that if anybody writes a book and says step one, step two, step three, this is how you hear from the Holy Spirit, then they're lying to you. And so I don't want to to, uh, be the liar speaking to you. And so what I'm going to give you is a list of ways in the New Testament that we see the Holy Spirit speaking. And it seems that the Holy Spirit speaks in these ways often to semi-often, but it is not the only way that the Holy Spirit speaks. And, And it definitely is not a step one, step two, step three. If you do these things, then the Holy Spirit will give you the advice that you want. The Holy Spirit speaks how He wants, not how Chad wants. And so today is about learning to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit and figuring out some ways that He commonly speaks in the Word of God. The first way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through the Bible. Now, before you tune me out and say... I've heard this sermon before, read the Bible more, right? Isn't that kind of the catch-all to everything that Christians think about? I mean, if you're struggling with anything, then somebody's like, well, here's the Bible, just read it more and everything will get better. But I have, good news for you, kind of a personal commitment to never tell anybody to ever read the Bible more. It's this personal commitment that I made a long time ago because what I found is that, that when you try to read the Bible more, because you should read the Bible more, you never end up reading the Bible more. And I've never had anybody hear me say, read the Bible more and start reading the Bible more. Instead, what I try to do and what I think is important is to help people see the value in reading the Word of God. And I've found that as people understand more fully how valuable it is for them to read the book that we call the Bible, then they start to read the Bible more. And so when it comes to listening to the Holy Spirit... I don't want you to hear, oh, I need to read the Bible more. This is what I want you to hear from 2 Peter 1, starting in verse 19. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through the Holy Spirit spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see what what Peter is saying here? He's saying that the Bible is not just a, a book that some guys got together and wrote, but the Bible is literally the Word of God because it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we see that in the book that we call the Bible... God is talking. He is writing to us. That is why in, in uh, 2 Timothy three fifteen and 16, we read, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is a book that has been inspired so that we can find the will 
the commands, and I believe the advice and the guidance of God. And I think it works like this. I, I went to John MacArthur's church uh, several years back, author, uh, pastor of a, a large church in California. We, we, we sat through his service. Uh, he preached for a lot longer than I do, so you're welcome for that. And afterwards, I had a, a theological question that was running through my mind. I was uh, going to Corbin, and it was something I had been struggling with. The verse uh, that, that uh, God... Uh, loved Jacob and hated Esau. And so I went up, I uh, waited in line, what a rock star John MacArthur is, uh, and I, I waited in line for him, and, and, and I, uh, encouraged by my cousin, I stood in line and, and I asked him, I said, hey, what do you think about this verse? And, and John MacArthur said, you can buy my study Bible in the bookstore. Now, before you become a John MacArthur hater, um, I think he was kidding. He didn't smile, but I think he was kidding, and uh, he did go on to answer my question. But I think the principle applies to the Holy Spirit and, and the Word of God in the Bible. Sometimes I, I think that the Holy Spirit just wants to point us to the spots in the Word of God, His Word, that we need to hear for advice on certain situations in life. And I think that, that when we read the Bible with an expectation that God is going to bring our guidance to us, and we take time and we read that, then I think the Holy Spirit says, hey, look, you need, you need to hear this right now. You need to see this right now. And so, when you read the Bible, I believe that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through His book. I'll tell you what, if I ever finish my book, I'm going to at times say to you, when you ask me a question, well, good news for you. Let me, let me just point to it here, because I already wrote it, and I'm going to say it not as well now on the spot as I did when I put thought and time into it. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't have that problem, but, but the principle is the same. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to you through His Word. Another way that the Holy Spirit speaks is through the inner voice. Uh, this is the one that is really undefinable. It's been called undefinable by many uh, uh, an author. And so, uh, what is that inner voice? And I, I don't know. I can't explain it to you except to say that it's kind of like a thought and a feeling and a knowing all wrapped up into one where you just know that God spoke to you. It's not audible, but it's something that's inside of you. Now, I, I hate to, to leave it just at that. If you've experienced it, then you know that that was an okay definition. If you've never experienced the inner voice speaking to you, the Holy Spirit within you, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, then you're going, what is he talking about? Isn't that just a thought? Isn't that just a feeling? I don't know what you mean. And, and next week, this is the good news, next week we will, we will really look, as I said, at, at what, what, Helpful hints, I guess, we can have in order to know whether that, that inner voice is the Holy Spirit or, or it's just a thought or it's just the food that we ate or, or whatever it, it might be. And so, so next week we'll cover this one more fully, but know that the Holy Spirit, we see it throughout the Bible, speaks through this inner voice. You see it in a passage that we've talked about a lot, Acts 8.29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Jim Samra my friend and, and uh, an author and pastor said this about that verse. Picturing this scene in my mind, I always envisioned God's booming voice thundering from heaven to communicate audibly with Philip. I never stopped to wonder if God spoke audibly, wouldn't the Ethiopian official have heard it too? The longer I have pondered this story, the more I am convinced that commentator David Peterson is right to describe the Spirit speaking to Philip as the inward assurance that he should approach this high-ranking man. And, and so we see... 
This idea of Philip being spoken to, quite literally, go up to that chariot. I mean, that's pretty specific, but it seems to have happened through an inner voice. Charles Spurgeon said about this inner voice, there are many monitions from God's Spirit, which are not noticed by Christians when they're in a callous condition. But when the heart is right with God and living in communion with God, we feel a sacred sensitiveness so that we do not need the Lord to shout, but His faintest whisper is heard. Nay, he need not even whisper in our soul as distinctly as the Spirit said to Philip, Go there and join thyself to this chariot. You shall hear the Lord's will. And so the the Holy Spirit speaks through this inner, undefinable voice to us. Another way that the Holy Spirit communicates with us is through personal prayer time. Listen to Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. In Ephesians 6.18 we read, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And in Jude 1.20, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. And so we see that the Spirit seems wrapped up in our personal prayer time. I mean, people talk about those passages and some people use them to, to talk about a personal prayer language. And, and I think that, that when we get to those specifics and we start arguing, sometimes we miss the point. The Holy Spirit should be a part of of your prayer life. It's pretty clear, right? I mean, He comes along, He guides you in what to say, and here's what I think. He also communicates to you the things that you need to know so that you can live more fully for God and make the decisions that He has called you to make. Now, listen to Luke 6, 12. This is Jesus, right? He's about to make a big decision about the disciples, and we read, One of those days Jesus went to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Notice this transition. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. Jesus knew the importance of prayer when it came to making a big decision. He spends the whole entire night in prayer. And the next morning he wakes up and he picks the men who would be the foundation of the church and who really would be the fathers of what you do right now in celebrating church together and being a Christian person if you are a Christian person. And so Jesus knew... Something that I think we often forget about, especially as American Christians, that the Holy Spirit is a part of the prayers that we make. We, we are like logical. I mean, I have an app for, for my prayers and I make sure I get them all in. And sometimes because of that app, it helps me remember to pray for you and that's great. But sometimes because of that app, I'm like, check, check, check. I, I even check them. I mean, it, it just it checks right off. And I go through them and I pray and I'm done. But, but God is showing us that the Holy Spirit is part of a person's prayer life. And I believe if we want to hear from the Holy Spirit, then we must take that seriously, and He will provide us with the advice and the guidance that we need for life's decisions. Prayer alone on a mountaintop, though, is not the only way that prayer connects us to the Holy Spirit and to the advice of God. We also see in the Bible that corporate prayer is a big part of receiving the advice of God and the guidance of God. In the Old Testament especially, you saw the Second Chronicles 23 and 4, the Israelites have a big decision to make about whether or not they should go into battle. And here's what we read. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. 
And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. The story continues, Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. And, and Jehoshaphat says, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's a great verse for what we're talking about, isn't it? I mean, isn't that, doesn't that just sum up everything that we've been talking about? I mean, hey God, I don't know who you want me to marry, but my eyes are on you. Hey God, I don't know what car to buy and what I should do ministry-wise about my vehicle, but my eyes are on you. Hey God, I don't know how to deal with this difficult person in my life, but God, my eyes are upon you. Hey God, I don't know how to fix this broken relationship, but my eyes are on you. And they come together, and that is their simple, humble prayer. And if you were to look at verses 15 through 17, God's advice is about as specific as God's advice can be. Don't worry about it. Go into that battle. Everything will be okay. And so we see in corporate prayer that God speaks His will and His direction into people's lives. You see it in the New Testament as well. This is a verse we read last week, but it's again important for us. Acts 13.2, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. See, these people are coming together and they're worshiping, which is a form of, of prayer, right? And the Holy Spirit speaks to these people and says to them, I want you to send out Paul and Barnabas. And if you keep reading in the book of Acts, what happens is they become some of the greatest missionaries ever to live and the world is changed because these people took time together to pray to the God of heaven and God spoke to them through His Holy Spirit and led them to send these men off. Another way that the Holy Spirit speaks is through the spiritual guidance of other spiritually filled people. Uh, we think of prophecy when we say this, right? I mean, people speak prophecy into the lives of, of, of others, I guess, is, is what we would say. And we see an example of this in Luke one sixty seven. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Now, sometimes when we think of prophecy, most of the time, I should say, when we think of prophecy, we think about telling the future. Right? Isn't that what you think of? I mean, if I said, hey, I have a prophecy for you, you'd go, sweet, I can know what's going to happen in a year, right? But most of the time in the Bible, prophecy is not about telling the future. Prophecy is about telling the situation right now from God's perspective. You see, as human beings, we oftentimes, most of the time I might offer, uh, have a skewed perspective on the world and our lives, and the situations we're in, and the circumstances. And prophecy in the Bible, most often, is somebody saying, look, the Holy Spirit is leading me to explain this situation from God's perspective. And so in some ways, prophecy, when it comes to decision, is, is a person saying, look, this is what God thinks about the situation in life that you are in. But it isn't just through prophecy per se. You could call this prophecy that the Holy Spirit speaks through other people. It comes in other ways too. Acts 11 and 28. One of them named Agabus stood up through the Spirit and predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire world. And then we see later in the book of Acts that the Jewish leaders, the disciples whom Jesus had picked, have a decision to make. 
They need to decide whether the non-Jewish Christians are going to have to follow the customs and the laws of the Jewish people as strictly found in the Old Testament or whether they are not. And so they, they convene and they get together and they come back with a decision that spread to everybody, including you and I as Christians. And here's what they say. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following. And so we see these disciples as the Holy Spirit leads them, guide us into how we must live. Acts 21, 10 and 11, Luke writes, After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus, if this is the same guy, he's a really good friend to have when you have to make decisions, right? He already prophesied about a severe famine, and now here he is again. Agabus came down from Judea, coming over to us. He took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And so we see, even in the life of Paul, and we think, you know, Paul, I mean, he was so connected to the Holy Spirit, there's no way that Paul needs somebody else. But the Holy Spirit communicates to Paul through another man, a man named Agabus. Another way that God speaks to us is through church. The Holy Spirit is present in church. And if you've been around this church, then then this is sounding pretty familiar to you. We believe that God manifests His presence most powerfully, most specifically, most clearly when we gather as a body of believers. And uh, I probably don't have to prove it to uh, most of you anymore, but just in case, 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? And he's talking to a group of people. And he doesn't say, hey, you. He says, you all are the temple of God. And so we see quite clearly in the New Testament that when we gather, and hopefully you believe this and hopefully you suck it up every single week when we come together, this is the place where God has chosen to show His presence most fully to the world. It's through church. It's no longer through a tabernacle. It's no longer on a mountain. It's no longer in a temple. It is through a group of believers gathering together in the context of a local church. In 1 Corinthians 14.26, it says, But if an unbeliever inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. And then notice this part. If you didn't believe me after the last verse, you'll believe me after this verse. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. It doesn't happen at a coffee shop when I'm sitting there studying the Bible, right? It happens within the context of church. And so the, the Holy Spirit, in a different way, beyond, beyond the normal way that He's in prayer or, or works through other people or, or, or comes as we read the Word of God, in a different way, the Holy Spirit is present with us today as we are gathered here. And because of that, as church becomes a great place for us to hear from God. Paul says, but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than than 10,000 words in a tongue. He recognizes that within the context of church, people are spoken to and their lives are changed as the Holy Spirit communicates His advice and His guidance to them. Now one of the ways that this happens is through the preaching and the teaching of the Word. Now I know there's a little... uh, I guess I'm biased because I, I do preach. I am preaching, in fact. But why does it matter? I mean, why, why is this a big deal, what I do when I'm up here? And, and, and it's because... 
The Holy Spirit in church, I believe, and I think the Bible teaches, chooses to speak through me, his humble, sinful servant, when I get up here and I teach his word to you. Paul writing to uh, a young man named Timothy who's a pastor in, in 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And so he says, look, I'm not there. I can't tell you everything in this letter about how to run a, a church, but, but you need to. You need to devote yourself to teaching the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 1-5. through 5, Paul says this, again connecting the Spirit to preaching, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now, don't get me wrong, not every every sermon is Spirit-filled. People preach things all over the country every Sunday, probably every day of the week that are not from the Holy Spirit. I've preached many sermons where I've gone and, and home and said, God, where did you go today? I mean, why, why didn't you do anything? I, I just, I was up there alone. And, and so not every sermon, it's not like when I get up here and every, everything I say becomes perfect because the Holy Spirit is speaking out of me. Uh, but God does speak through the preached Word within the context of church in a special way that he does not speak anywhere else. And, and so we see that in the Bible. Now, uh, you say, well, how does that work and why don't I see more of that? And if you know me and I've talked to you about, about uh, the book that I am going to write, then, then, then you know that I believe part of it is that church has become so disobedient to the commands that God has made in his word. I mean, God lays forward some specific commands about church and says, look, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do this. And what we've done is said, well, God, that's a great idea, but let me read the newest church planting book and figure out the best way to grow my church. Or, God, that's great. That sounds awesome. But not as many people are going to show up if we do it that way. And so one of the reasons I believe that, that God doesn't move as powerfully in, in the church today in America as we would like and, and people aren't falling down and saying God is really among you is because we've said, God, we don't care what you have to say about church. And you know that at this church in the last year and a half we've worked to become more of an obedient church to the things God has called us to do and to not do as a congregation. We have a ways to go but we are working towards that. But the other aspect of that question why why don't i see it more it's because perhaps you're not looking i get to see it because i preach and here's what happens people will come up to me and they'll say chad it was really great when you said and my first thought is i didn't say that i wouldn't have said that i didn't even think about saying that it happened just recently within our congregation somebody came up to me well, I should give you a backstory. I had had a conversation about a year before this with somebody in our congregation, and, and they said, Chad, uh, I, I, here's what I think God is saying to me in this difficult situation. It was a three-word phrase, and, and they really felt like God had spoken through that inner voice and said those three words to them. Not three words I would ever use, kind of old English-ish, actually, and, and it was not something I ever would have said. And after church one Sunday, they said to me, they said, you stole my line. 
well, I didn't steal your line. I probably stole a lot of guys' lines, but I didn't steal your line. Uh, and he said, no, you stole my line. You said, and I'm telling you, there's no way that, that I meant to at least say those three words because I would, I would never use them in normal English. I would never use them when I'm preaching. I, I just wouldn't happen. And, and so in that way, we do see the Spirit of God move within church where people hear things because the Spirit is, is teaching them that perhaps I really say, but I don't mean to, or perhaps I don't say, and God has just impressed it upon your heart. Now there's a, another way that, that God speaks and this is the last one I'll give you this morning. Again, it's not, these are not the only ways, but, but God speaks through dreams and or visions, the weird stuff, right? I mean, God does speak that way, and the Holy Spirit speaks that way. Acts 10, 9 through 20, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the rooftop to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open as something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter would have never have eaten these things according to the Old Testament law that he had lived his whole life by. And then it says, Peter says, Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius, a Gentile man who had felt the Holy Spirit call him to send people to get Peter, found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And Peter goes and he leads Gentiles to salvation, and this is the first moment where Gentiles become Christians, and it's this great moment because the Spirit of God, through the vision, spoke to Peter, and he knew that he was to go hang out with those dirty, dirty Gentiles. We see it again in Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to leave for Macedonia. We see it again, right? We see the Holy Spirit speaking through this vision that Paul has of this man coming in this dream-like state. And so God does speak through vision. Now, you, you, some of you have heard this, some of you have not. God has spoken to me through a semi-vision once. It wasn't as cool as the book of Revelation or anything like that. But uh, one night, let me just give you the story just to, to say this still happens today. Uh, I was praying upstairs alone with God, and I started to, to just feel the Holy Spirit move within me. It was powerful. It wasn't like my normal prayers where I was checking things off, right? And, and so I, I'm praying and, and, and I just feel the presence of God and I fall down on my face and I'm worshiping God with my, ha- my head and my hands to the floor. And God's presence was so real to me that I really thought when I opened my eyes I was going to see Jesus. I didn't disappointing but i i really believed it because i knew god was with me in such a powerful way the next day i was praying out at the field by the war memorial here in wilsonville and i'm looking out at this field and god just starts to speak to me 
about how this field is representative of, of American Christianity. And he begins to reveal to me what I need to do to help American Christianity become what God wants it to be, what it needs to be. And he showed me through weeds and grass and flowers what our country looks like spiritually to him. And it was so clear. I mean, it wasn't like things flying around my head, but, but he, just, he just spoke to me so clearly through looking out at this field. And so God speaks in, in these supernatural kind of ways as well. And so you see these ways, right? I mean, we see them, it's in the Bible, and so, so we should trust them. I mean, we see that God speaks through the Word of God. We see that God speaks through our individual prayers. We see that God speaks through corporate prayer. We see that God speaks through others. We see that God speaks through the church. And we see that God speaks through signs, wonders, and visions, and things like that. And so the question becomes, I think, if this is the case, if these are some ways that God oftentimes speaks, then how do we begin to listen? I want to repeat what I said last week. The first thing you need to do is you, is you need to listen. You, you need to be looking to hear from God. I believe that most of us, we, we don't really want the advice of God. We think it would be great if God told me as long as, long as I hear what I want to hear. And so what we do is, is we kind of mess around with the, with the idea of getting advice from God. We ask God because it makes us feel better. But we don't really listen because we're not sure we're going to like what he has to say. But if you are serious about it and you say, look, I want to listen to God, then let me, let me give you just a couple of ways that, that I think that we can hear from God. First of all, we need to make time to listen. You need to set aside time to listen to God, to get away from everything and just to listen. If you want to hear from God, it's not probably going to happen as you're going through your busy life doing whatever you want to do. You need to make time to do these things. Now, here's the other one. You need to read the Bible. My grandpa told me of a man who needed advice from God, and so he said to God, Hey God, I'm going to open up the Bible. I'm going to point, and whatever it says, I'm going to take that as your advice. So he opens it up, and it, and it says, Judas went and hung himself. And so the man, not liking that advice, said, God, I must have flipped wrong. You know, I was going to go to that other page. But this time, for real, whatever you say, I'm going to do. So he flips it open and he points and the verse says, go and do likewise. And he decided that it wasn't the best answer. And sometimes, because we live in a microwave society, right, we want a quick answer and we just want to open up and point. But I believe if you're serious about the advice of God, if you really want to know what he has to say about your car or your living situation or, or the next ministry that he wants you to do or conflict resolution, then you need to sit down. You need to open the Word of God and you need to read large chunks of the Word of God, asking the Spirit to reveal to you the things that he wants you to hear and wants you to see. I heard a story of a church and they were thinking about launching a, a second campus and uh, they've been working on it and they've been seeking the advice of God and, and they didn't know what God wanted them to do and, and they put a lot of money and resources into it and, and it wasn't taking off the way that they expected. They didn't have, I think, the people that they, that they needed to get this thing going. And so they, they were seeking God and they weren't getting any answer from God. And one night, one of the elders in that church 
was was trying to sleep and couldn't sleep because he was thinking about this decision that, that his church needed to make. And so he got up and he started reading the Word of God. And he read and he read and he read. And all of a sudden he came to Jesus' parable about the plants that weren't producing any fruit. And the story goes that the plants aren't producing fruit and the owner of the, the vineyard says, hey, I, I want to destroy it all. And, and the vineyard keeper says, hey, let me, let me just raise them up and prune them and give it one more year. And if it doesn't produce fruit by then, then we'll shelf it. And as soon as he read that passage, that elder knew. God's saying, give it one more year. Give me one more year to produce fruit in that ministry. And the church did that, and it was very successful for them. And, and the pastor of that church, uh, whom I read the story through, said it was like that, that passage of Scripture had never been there before. And all of a sudden, it told us exactly what God wanted us to do. And so God speaks as we spend time and say, God, I'm not just going to point and say, hey, that's got to be you, because then you're putting God into your box, right? And we learn through the book of Job that God doesn't go into our box always, correct? And we need to be people to say, God, I just want to, I want to get in your box. And so here I am, and I'm going to read your word, and I ask for an answer. Another thing we can do to help ourselves hear from the Spirit is to pray. We need to be people who spend time in prayer. Sometimes we need to spend time in prayer just saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? And then trying to listen, saying, God, okay, are you saying this? Are you saying that? What is it that you want me to do? And so prayer is absolutely essential because it brings the Holy Spirit's presence in a way that walking around does not. Another thing that you need to do is listen to the advice of godly people. Now, usually when this is pushed, People say this, the advice of others is almost as good as God's voice. Go find a godly person and, and whatever they say, probably God is leading you that way. You've probably heard that before, right? I mean, hey, you've got a big decision to make. Well, seek out a pastor or seek out a friend who really knows. And I think that's okay. I think that's good. However, I think when we take that approach, what happens is we get these people's human wisdom. And they're human advice. And that's good because we need those things. But I think a better solution is this, to go to somebody that you respect somebody that's godly, somebody that definitely listens to the Spirit and say, I am struggling with the decision. Will you take time to pray and seek God's will for my life? And I'll come back to you in a while and you can tell me what you've heard. I think when we take that approach, what happens is we move from their earthly advice to their spiritual advice that is actually coming from God. And so I believe if you're really serious about hearing from God and finding His advice and His will in your life, then you need to seek out godly people and say, hey, will you pray about what I should do in this situation? And finally, go to church. Kind of preaching to the choir this morning, right? Go to church. I mean, you're here. That's great. But don't just go to church. Go to church and listen for God's voice. I think that there are far too many people, even within our congregation, who come and they're focused on how good my sermon is. Some of you might right now might be going, man, this isn't as good as normal. You know, that might be in your head. And you think, wow, how good was the music today? Or, oh man, well, they messed up that one thing. And, and our whole approach to church is thinking about what everybody else is doing and whether or not they're doing it right. I'm blessed here with our congregation and, and, and far better than other congregations I've been in. But I still think there's some of that there. You think about how many people are here. 
Oh, there wasn't as many people as last week. Or, wow, there was a lot more people than last week. You think about that. You think about how things sound and how things go and, and what other people are doing. But I think if you truly believe that God's Spirit is here with us, then you'll say, I don't care how Chad sounded today. What is the Holy Spirit trying to say to me through this gathering? Look, this is not about me and how good I sound. This is not about how good Brandon sounds or how bad, depending on the week, for each of us. Um, but, but it's about us being in the presence of God. And if you're serious about finding the advice of God, then you need to not come here and say, hope it's a good one today. But you need to actively participate. Oh, that's a new song. I'm going to sit this one out. No, you need to actively participate because maybe God is speaking to you through that song. Oh, it's an old song. I'm not going to participate. No, no, no. Participate. Oh, somebody else is up there praying. No, listen to those prayers and, and agree with them and, and seek God's voice. Oh, I, I don't care about God's advice. No, listen to my sermon because maybe maybe there's something totally else that God wants to say to you today. It isn't about the advice or the will or the wisdom of God. It's something totally different and, and God wants to say something to you. And it's not even about what I'm saying. I'm just a tool and I have a plan, but but God is the one that needs to speak to your heart. Look, if you're serious about God's advice, then you need to get away with God. I, at our Connect group on Tuesday night, I just want to finish with this. We were talking about about hearing from God and, and these these things because that's what we're talking about. And and Sharon Plummer uh, said, you know, there was this one time when I really needed encouragement from God and I was at this woman's retreat and God just spoke to me and he gave me the words that I needed. We sat there and we talked about that for a little bit. And here is the conclusion that we came to, and I think it's important. We so often talk about how when we go to camps or retreats, whatever they might be, that God really speaks to us then, right? I mean, oh, then God's voice really starts coming, and I know what I should do. You don't know how many kids have broken up with boyfriends and girlfriends because I've taken them to camp, right? And they're like, oh, God wants me to break up with this guy. He never said it before. I mean, they're in prison, but uh, he never. <laughs> but now, I mean, God's speaking to me, right? And we've said things like that. But let me offer a new theory. It's not just an emotional camp. I believe that God speaks to you when you get away. Because you get away and you listen to God. And so here's what I think the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today. If we're serious about finding God's advice and His guidance in our lives, if that's something we truly want, then we need to put everything aside. We need to open up our Bibles and say, Spirit, speak to me. We need to make sure to come to church with the right attitude and the right heart and listening for God. We need to find other godly people and say, Hey, will you pray about this? We need to take the time and the effort to say, God, I am here and I'm listening and I want you to speak to me. If you're serious about the advice of God, then you're not going to say, hey, God, I need some advice. Let me know. Right? But you're going to say, God, I'm here and I know these ways that you sometimes speak and I need you to speak to me. And so will you please speak to me? I'm listening to you. My hope and my prayer is that we will become a church. People in our church will not just be the Christians who follow some rules, but we will be so sold out to God that in every big decision in life, we are actively seeking Him and listening for what He might say to us. Will you pray with me before we close? Lord, 
we, we just in in everything god we want such quick answers we want we we just want quick answers and we don't care to listen lord and, and it's not just with you god i mean we we don't ever want to take time for anything i mean we can see it all over our country today, God. And when it comes to making money, we want a quick fix. When it comes to knowledge, we want ten easy steps, God. It just seems like we don't we don't care to to really seek you out and and find. We don't care to seek anything out, God. We don't care to put work in, Lord. But but Lord, I pray you change our hearts, and we would not apply that to our spiritual life anymore. Lord, we. We have so many decisions to make. I mean, every day, God. And I feel that weight, God, in ministry because people come to me, you know this, Lord, and and they say, well, what should I do about this? And it's this huge thing that's going to change their life. And Lord, I I just see how clearly I need to be listening to you. And and every person in this room needs that same thing. And I I pray we'd feel the weight of that today. And God, we would not try to get microwave results. But Lord, we would take the time and make the effort to listen to you, Lord, and, and God, you would draw our attention back to the ways that you speak. I pray that this wouldn't be a sermon for today, God. You know, I, God, I've preached some some sermons where people feel emotionally high and they walk out and and they're pumped up to do something. This is not that, God. This is just learning how you speak, and I pray we would take seriously, God, listening, because, Lord, we need you, because we love you, God. And, and here's here's the thing, Lord. We forget about this, God, but you gave your life for us and we want to give all of our life for you and I just ask that that would happen down to the smallest detail, Lord. We would be people who give our lives to you. When you say go, we'll go. (laughs) When you say stop, we stop. God, just let us be those people, Lord. Let us take seriously listening to your voice. We love you, Jesus. It's only because you first loved us that we even care about these things and we ask these things in your name. And, And God, I pray that even as we close this service, that your spirit would just talk to us and we'd walk out of these doors knowing what you want from us, God. Not what I want. Who cares what I want? But what you want from us, God. Thank you for meeting with us this morning despite our, our frailty and our sinfulness, God. Thank you for your holy, perfect, ridiculously amazing grace. Amen.